0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kinda Opinionated Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Sharon, and today we have a very special guest, Chris Cochran. He is the COO of the uh, Quarterlink uh, Innovation Collective. Is that it? close enough? Close yeah. enough? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being on my podcast today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, okay. How's your day going?
1: Not too bad, actually. Pretty good.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Well, today we're going to be talking about a couple of topics which I think are very relevant in our communities and even in our country right now, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay. Let's get started then. Um, Okay. This is my first question. Uh, In a world war, technology has advanced by 4,999,999,900%.
1: That's a big number.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Since 1970, um, the ide- the idea of automation is a pretty realistic fear. Uh, according to McKinsey and Company, by 2030, 800 million jobs will be taken by robots. How do you see us keeping the working class working?
1: It's a really good question. You know, one of the depending on the study that you listen to uh, and that you believe, somewhere between uh, 28 and 47 percent of jobs are going to disappear as we know them uh, in the next 20 years. Uh, And we really at Innovation Collective really think that part of that can be prepared for in advance if we take the right view on how do you prepare for the changing workforce and the change in the way that um, jobs are gonna be done. And one of those things that we believe is, uh, for a long time, uh, jobs have been done by people uh, who are doing a laborious task Mm -hmm. that can be taken over by machines. And the bad side of that is, um, the jobs that machines can do, they probably should do. So if you go back like 150 years, uh, one of those uh, things that like a physical being did that now has been taken over by jobs is the idea of cars and transportation. We typically had horses that did those things. Yeah. We even have the phrase horsepower that we still use to this day, which is weird because um, they still measure things like rockets in horsepower. That doesn't? Is a, that,
0: that's, yeah, that is a little weird. Right? Uh,
1: and so... There's a lot of things that machines can do that human beings shouldn't do because they're repetitive, there's no creativity, there's no fulfillment. And if you think about factory workers on an assembly line, I've never met a person who works in a factory who got done like assembling parts all day and went, man, that was a satisfying day at work. Well, you know. So what if we could prepare by teaching people to be creators as opposed to teaching people how to be automated fleshly automatons uh, and by creating things ourselves, uh, and being things who are cre- beings who are creative and creating new things, we can possibly prepare for the coming changes that are going to happen within the workforce.
0: Well, let me ask you. So, say you're an accountant, um, and like a robot takes your job. Yeah, yeah. and This is like in a long time, but a robot takes your job. How do you like? Where do you see that accountant going? Like, are they going to go and figure out something else they can do? Like, what, what's... Hot?
1: Maybe, but if you think about it, like, I don't think that accounting uh, is... Accounting is one of those things that could actually be fairly easily automated in a fairly quick period of time, mm-hmm. like in the next five to six years. yeah, I, I doubt it's going to be that quick, but at least the next 10. yeah. Um, tax returns is a good example of this. Mm-hmm. So we have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across, across at least America who do people's tax returns every year. In reality, if you don't... Most people don't know this, but if you don't file your tax returns, the government actually files them on your behalf. Yeah, if you wait long enough and you don't do it, it's, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not, like, <laughs> something you should do. But if you don't for I a mean, long time edu- you do. Right. <laughs> uh, for a long enough period of time, the government, because they know what your employers have um, reported for you. They know uh, what has been submitted officially for you. So that's one of those things that the only way that it needs to have a human being involved is when you start getting really creative or there's things that haven't been reported, the things that people don't know. So I think accounting is one of those things where... Um, In reality, a bunch of that could be automated, but being an accounting um, consultant is one of those things that machines can't take away soon. I'll give you a really good example. Let's say you're an entrepreneur and you start your own company. Yeah. Uh, There's a bunch of different tax laws and there's a bunch of different accounting things that you can do to lessen your tax burden that you have to prepare for and actually think about in advance of that. That's something that the machines can't ever do because they don't know what's coming in the future. They only know what they've been trained on. So accounting is a really good one where i think a lot of accountants bookkeeping will probably go away as we know it in some form yeah Um, however a really interesting example of that is if you have an expense that you have as part of your um, bookkeeping how you categorize that and how the government looks at that is very very different depending on what you categorize it as and how you file it within your tax returns so there's some creativity that goes on in there that actually makes people more creators of Accounting facilities, as opposed to someone who just is randomly clicking in QuickBooks.
0: Well, even if it isn't like accounting or um, or like other stuff like that, uh, I forget what it was. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was this one. Uh, they're starting to use computer-generated models in mm-hmm. stock photos. Yeah. So, if models, so like, is that another job? And like some may say that that's like a creative. Thing like what what do you like what like even if it isn't where do you see all these people who have done this their entire life go
1: well so one of the things that we talk about a lot is um, the magic that's inside of every human being so every single human being has a unique set of experiences, thought processes, the way they see the world, and gifts that they can actually get out into the world. In fact, I, we really believe they should, they owe it to the world to get it out into the world. Uh, so good examples is podcasts. There's a lot of kids who are doing paper routes. You've decided to do a podcast. That's a really creative function uh, and, and done properly with the right amount of people listening. You can actually monetize this and turn it into an actual company and an actual business that, that actually makes you money. So much along those same lines, everybody has those things inside of them and and they're things that most of us have never been told, hey, it's okay to think crazy thoughts, and it's okay to dream really, really big. And what if we could get actual companies outside of a small community to pay attention to what's happening within a small community so people can start building new things from scratch. And we talk a lot about wolves, not unicorns, in the Mm -hmm. the startup world. A unicorn is a billion dollar company and it's gonna be the next big thing like Facebook or Instagram or Google. And the problem is, from most small companies, the talent pool is not there to create those kind of companies. Yeah. But what if you and I could start a company where we could create something that a, a Google or a Facebook or an Instagram would be interested in purchasing, because we created something new from scratch that no one had ever thought about before.
0: Fair enough. Okay, and that brings me um, kind well, kind of brings me to my next question. Um, Lots of people, when the modern idea of like automation came to light, like the last five years of the idea of automation came to light, uh, said that people were just people will just learn how to code. So it's not really a crisis. But two percent of the American population now knows how to how to code. What kinds of jobs do you see opening up in the world of technology?
1: That's a good question, and I think that um, part of what we've done in America poorly is educate people on how to be, and I keep saying this, but creators as opposed to coding is, is um, there's some creativity that goes on in coding and there's definitely a skill set that goes on there. Yeah. But it's definitely not the only thing that creates uh, new technology. So if you, if we, again, if you and I were going to start a company, um, let's say it's a completely software-based company. One of us has to know how to code, code right? Yeah. But somebody else has to go out and create business deals, relationships, marketing. There's a legal aspect to what they do. There's this whole other side of things. And so a lot of people think, well, if I'm gonna participate in the new economy, I have to actually learn how to code. And in reality, that's a small percentage of what it takes to actually run a company. So I think that a lot of people in the future are going to team up with uh, nerds in hoodies uh, Mm -hmm. to create new companies uh, where they're not the nerds in hoodies, but they understand how to run a business, they understand how to market things, they understand how to actually sell a product. Uh, And that's what creates a team. That's why it's so important to have a, a strong knit community around you to help you build those things. Uh, because you're not going to just, I mean, the average person isn't just going to sit down, learn how to sw- code in Swift or in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Python, and then sit down and crank out a new company or a new technology. It typically doesn't happen like that.
0: Yeah. So, you, so your prediction is that people will uh, go over to these companies like Google or Facebook or even startups and uh, work alongside with
1: them. Well, my prediction is that a lot of people are going to get left behind, to be really honest oh. with you, and not understand that they can do that. But that's why we have that Innovation Collective exists is so that we can create the environments for people so they can learn how to be a community again mm-hmm. and then build things together as a community.
0: Um, and this is a new question that I just had uh, the idea of, uh, yeah. idea of, uh, because you said lots of people might get left behind. Uh, Andrew Yang, yeah. he it, he, um, he has a lot of concerns around automation. Yeah. He did suspend his uh, presidential right. thing uh, like way, a week ago. By the
1: way, how old are you? I'm 13. 13, come on, you know who Yang, Andrew Yang is, That's Yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, he was my favorite before he dropped out but um, anyways he he what's your stance on universal basic income because like would that help the economy or Uh, you know it's an
1: interesting topic because um, my personal opinion Mm -hmm. is that universal basic income wherever it's been tried hasn't lasted very long Mm -hmm. part of the reason is um, you're you're dangling the wrong carrot in front of people so if everybody's needs First off, there's not enough. Somebody has to produce new wealth in order for people to actually continue to grow and economies to grow, uh, and so new wealth has to be created. So that has to come from somewhere. So if all you're doing is taking government money and pushing it into the system and then taxing it, uh, you're recycling. it, You know, it's like it's like how many times can you um, filter out bad water until you just run out of enough water for everybody wow. to drink? Yeah. Um, and that's an opinion, really, based on some economic philosophies. Uh, but I, th- I think that part of the other problem with universal basic income is. Uh, if you and I have enough money that we can subside, we can just live basic uh, basic needs. Mm-hmm. How much is there to encourage people to actually want more or need more? Uh, if, if you're just getting by, like barely getting by, you have enough to pay for a place to live, enough food to eat, and a basic transportation. Well, then why would you ever do anything else? And so what you end up with is a Wally situation where you get a bunch of people living on a spaceship, going spaceship Earth, and going. I don't feel fulfilled because the truth is that every single one of us wants to do something significant in the world. Yeah. We wanna do something that's cool. Uh, and if we don't have an opportunity to do that, it doesn't mean we all will, but if we don't have an opportunity to do that, I think you're gonna end up with a situation where a bunch of fat, happy people sit around on a spaceship and go, eh, what more is there? And at some point, even if Wally's is a great example, when they were introduced to an opportunity that was bigger than just sitting around and eating, they went, oh man, yes, that's what we've always been longing for. We just didn't know it.
0: Mm. Um, building on top of that, I thought in Canada, was it wasn't in Canada they did it for like uh, I for I forget when they did it, but they did it for a couple of months. Yep. Um, and only one percent, or maybe it was two percent of the population quit their jobs. Right. So, if we introduce that to America, do you think that it would be a lot more, or do you think that it would probably be the same, or do you think our do you think the culture of America is too different to compare?
1: I, I think A, you're right. I think the culture is too different to compare. But I think the other side of that, too, is the, I think part of the reason that only 1% or 2% of people quit their jobs is because people really want... Listen, like again, if, I were, if you and I are an example in this and I go, hey, we're going to build something cool. The average person doesn't really care what they're doing as long as they're doing something cool that they feel is um, contributing to the world and they're doing it with people they like. So if I was gonna, if I said to you hey we're gonna start a company that creates brand new toilet seats that revolutionize the way that our butts sit on toilets we would be like at first you're like well that's crazy but as if we had like all of your best friends and all of my best friends and we're like let's do this together and we could actually make money at it all of a sudden it doesn't really matter what we're doing and so that innate desire and um, passion within all of us to do something creative and significant becomes the part that plays a role in people actually participating in that kind of economy so in my opinion, a better way would be how do we set up a brand new system that gives people opportunities they didn't have before, and education they didn't have before, and avenues towards prosperity they didn't have before, and then we don't even have to worry about a universal basic income.
0: Fair point. Okay. Um, on to a different uh, topic. What's sure. a common character trait that you uh, that you usually see in a successful entrepreneur? Um...
1: This, uh, there's an OCD quality in most entrepreneurs uh, where they have a passion for something they just can't let go of and they can't think about anything else. Uh, there's something they believe in so strong. And I'll give you a really good example. Met a guy in uh, upstate New York mm-hmm. who came to one of an, an event that we held there, and he comes in and he goes, I invented perfect firewood. I'm like, What? And he's like, Yeah, for the last five years, that's all I've been doing. And he created a manufacturing process where Um, It turns out when you burn, you've been around a campfire and the the, uh, campfire pops and it makes a lot of smoke. Well, that's because there's a bunch of impurities within the wood. So this guy created a way, a system, a manufacturing system. You can take hardwoods, put them in one side of this thing, and out on the other end pops perfect firewood. It doesn't pop, doesn't have any smoke, meets all EPA requirements and everything else. That's, That's what he's been focusing his life on for the past five years because he's so hyper obsessed with this could change. He's so passionate about firewood, and it sounds crazy, but it's actually a really needed thing in the world because it's technically illegal for you to transport firewood across county lines. Yeah, uh, yeah in most states, because of the impurities that come with them, like bugs and mm. different things. So this guy's so hyper obsessed with this that that's what's been consuming his like every waking moment, uh, and and he's actually got something that's a scalable company that could actually turn into, you know, a billion dollar company at some point. Yeah. That passion and that like obsessive compulsiveness uh, is one trait. I think the other one is all the successful entrepreneurs I've ever met also have this desire to do that within a team of people and a community of people, not on their own. Which sounds like super like unintuitive, uh, but in reality, the really successful ones gather the people they know around and go hey guys let's go do this together let's create something really cool together and they get a group of people around them who want to build something together so those are the I know it's not one but those are the two big things that I've met in every successful entrepreneur is they're super hyper focused around something that they think is going to change the world and they want to do it within a team of people
0: hmm. um, yeah well building on top of that what is a piece of, advi- uh, of advice you would give to people wanting to become uh, or wanting to get into entrepreneurship um,
1: I'd say a couple things. I'd say one stop watching um, Shark Tank, it's like super not helpful to the American culture. Uh, Shark Tank is a reality, Come on. It's a reality show, it's not reality. And I can introduce you to two people that I know for a fact who've been screwed over by Shark Tank, really. Like, yes, they've had their businesses like messed over by Shark Tank, and because when you go on Shark Tank, um You have this like interaction with people and they go yeah we're going to do this and then there's all the paperwork you actually have to fill out Mm. and the actual agreements they change stuff it's not the same as what they said uh they want different levels of things the valuation of your company so number one stop watching shark tank number two find a group of people that you actually want to build something with and start doing it as a group because nobody does anything great on their own um and i'd say three start talking with other entrepreneurs And people who are, stop looking at yourself as an entrepreneur, because that's a loaded term in our country. Mm -hmm. We think of entrepreneurs as um, these geeky people who are going to build, like, new technology. Like, stop that. Just think of yourself as a creator who's going to create something new. And then surround yourself with people who are doing that and can support you in that.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Um, So what is Innovation Collective? And how did you get into the, like, company?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so Innovation Collective at the end of the day is uh, an education and uh, an, an empowerment company. We teach people how to live as a community first because we've lost how to actually function as a community where we're helping people out and, and caring about other people within our geographic space. Um, so we teach people how to live as a community again. Then once they start like doing that, then we go, hey, what if you guys created new stuff? And when they start believing that, then they start creating new companies. And as those companies start. Percolating, we start connecting them with bigger brands and resources outside of the area, uh, so they can get access to capital. They can get mentorship. They can get resources, so they can bring those things to a bigger global stage. Uh, and then we do that. Once we do that, we then we start creating a home for them, which is like a physical space. Uh, and that's at the end, kind of in a nutshell, that's what we do. And I got involved uh, because uh, early on in my career, I did a lot of work with um, students around leadership development. And one of the students I worked with um, is my current business partner called me up one day and he's like, I did late years later. Yeah. He was like, I, I got this crazy idea. You want to come help me change the world? And I'm like, ah, dude, that's called economic development. And we're like tech guys. We don't know anything about economic. he goes, ah, we can figure it out. Uh, and so we started experimenting and that's how we came up with innovation collective.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, what's the craziest idea that you actually saw potential in?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, the, the firewood one is one of them. Um, We had a guy come to one of our very first events Mm -hmm. um, who literally said, I can change the way that 3D printing is done in the world. And we're like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I've been doing it in my garage for two years. Uh, And he figured out a way to 3D print carbon fiber and fiberglass faster than anyone in the world in a way that actually um, uh, can embed all the electronics inside of the fiberglass and the carbon fiber. So imagine printing an airplane wing out of fiber, carbon fiber and fiberglass faster than anyone's ever done it before.
0: Wow, that's insane. Has he, what is he, is he still doing that?
1: Yeah, the company's like valued at like tens of millions of dollars now. They have a full staff. They're they're literally changing the way that additive uh, 3D printing is done in manufacturing.
0: I think I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 It's, um, like, it's a local
1: company in Coeur d'Alene. Hmm.
0: Um, and this is my favorite question to ask okay. uh, anybody. Um, on my show, um, if you could make a rule for for a day and everyone in the world had to follow it, uh, what would it be?
1: Mm, that's a good question. If I could make a rule that everyone in the world had to follow for a day, um, I think that they would have to find three people a day to sit down and have a 45-minute conversation with, with no distractions. Uh, and, and I think I, I say that because uh in in most of the world most of the things that are going on geopolitically in the world most things that are going on uh in our country politically socially those kind of things all come back to a fear of the unknown and uh, a sense of isolation so the suicide rate in america really revolves around a bunch of people who thought they were going to get more out of life but aren't and don't feel like they have any hope left and part of that comes from feeling isolated and alone so if you had three people every day that you had to spend 45 minutes conversing with like this, mm-hmm. I think the world would be a much better place mm-hmm. and name tags
0: and, and name tags. If everyone had
1: to wear a name tag, we'd be much nicer to each other.
0: Be like, Oh, hello, Chris. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Be great. Well, um, thank you for being on my podcast today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. That was easy.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, guys, if you want to, uh, go support, uh, Mr. Cochran, uh, how can they, can they follow you on like Facebook or Instagram? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, if you want, I'm, I'm on Facebook, obviously you can find me on there. Uh, but if you want to follow InnovationCollective.co, that's our website, easy place to find us, co.com. Uh, and, uh, we have events in a bunch of different cities around America. So if you're in one of those cities, they're all listed on the website. If you want to come to one, we'd love to have you. If you have a dream, if you have something you're like, ah, I want to get out in the world. We want to help you do that.
0: Well, thank you for being on my podcast today. Um, yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye.